Well, I took my kids yesterday to Grove City College for uh, homecoming. It was my 15-year anniversary or reunion uh, at Grove City College. And uh, I don't know where those 15 years went. Did not seem like 15 years. Uh, but it was neat to see some people who were, I hadn't seen in a long time whose faces were familiar to me, but whose names seemed to escape me more often than not. Uh, but it was a day of sort of reflecting on uh, what has been the last 15 years of my life and uh, what have I done with it. And uh, you sort of have those moments, don't you? New Year's is kind of like that. Birthdays are kind of like that. You know, who am I? And um, For me, World Communion Sunday is one of those kind of Sundays. Kind of a, well, what's going on? And what's going on in the world? And am I aware of those things? It's a, it's a day to sort of take stock in... Uh, What are we doing as a church that goes beyond where we are here and out into this world? And so uh, in honor of that and being we're in a series on the Apostle Paul, I wanted to talk about Paul's missionary work today. And I think there's a lot we can learn from Paul in the way he approaches spreading his message. A little bit of a recap. In the last two weeks, I've really emphasized how when Paul encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, he goes through a radical change. But it may not be the change we expect. I don't believe Paul is trying to start a new religion. I think he's trying to see how Jesus is the fulfillment of the faith he's inherited. And he, he takes some time for him to work, out, work that out. I mean, it takes a good 10, 13 years, we think, until he does any missionary work to figure out what he thinks about all of this. Do people still need sacrifices? Can you follow Jesus and eat bacon? What does this mean for the temple? It takes Paul's years, Paul years to work this out, and he's still debating with this uh, as he's going through. Paul begins to understand that this message is not just for his, uh, for his people, but this is a universal Jesus. That in some way what Jesus has done goes beyond Israel and goes out into the world. And it becomes Paul's mission to see it go out into the world. Now we can guess that Paul probably, from his arguments, from the way he was such a clear thinker, that he got a little bit renowned. He got known for his ability to talk about this stuff and to handle these issues. Because when a man named Barnabas is uh, trying to work out uh, this for his missions work, Barnabas is sort of traveling around, and he's having to argue with people and try to convince them of who Jesus was, he gets this idea in the book of Acts. He says, I know this guy named Paul. And Paul's a good arguer. I'm going to bring him along the journey with me. And in the book of Acts, at at first, it's Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul Paul did this, and Barnabas and Paul did that. But pretty soon, it switches, and it becomes Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. Because Paul's intellect seems to drive the conversations forward. Paul ends up going on several missionary journeys, covering more than 40 cities that we, we can tell and covering at least what we think is about 10,000 miles. I mean, I think that's a conservative number. 10,000 miles, and ladies and gentlemen, there's no car then, okay? He is walking, uh, or he's on a ship. We know he was shipwrecked a couple times. I mean, he really sacrifices to go out into all these places to try to tell them about Jesus. And what he would do is when he would first come to a town, he, he followed this consistent pattern. He would first go to the synagogue, okay? He would go to, like, the church, But in those days, it wasn't just the church. It was the Jewish building. Normally, it was a building. Sometimes it was just an open space where you would meet and gather. But it was also sort of the town hall. 
It was the place where you would go to, uh, to vote on stuff and to talk about issues in the community. It's where the weddings would happen. It's where meetings would happen. And so he goes to this place that's sort of the center of particularly Jewish culture and would start to argue and make his points about who Jesus was and why Jesus is the true answer. While he's there, he would also find people that in Acts are called God-fearers. They're the people who are not Jewish, but seem to be worshiping with the Jews and seem to be sort of experimenting and understanding their faith. So Paul would eventually outstay his welcome in the synagogue. And that's an understatement. He would normally be like chased out and he would be totally rejected in the synagogue. And then he would just go to the rest of the town. And in most of these towns, he would find this. You'd have find this Jewish community, but it's not in Israel. He's all over the place. So he would go out, and in the meantime, he would work as a tent maker, making tents, awnings, normally sort of large, uh, larger projects, not, not clothing, but sort of larger curtains and that kind of things, all sort of special, uh, orient, uh, special order. So really, Paul could work and could support himself wherever. He, he never took a salary from his church work. He always worked in the places that he went, and I think part of the advantage was he got to know people. He got to know the community. He got to speak the language. And can you imagine the different kind of conversations Paul would have? I mean, in the synagogue, he would talk to people who were Jewish, who were raised up in the faith. And so they would have some basis of understanding. But what would be the disadvantage? The disadvantage was there may be certain things that they think they know, but really they don't know. Now, when he goes out into just the Gentile community, he would have not that problem, right? He'd get over that, except they have no basis for understanding. They, he'd have to start from scratch with them. I think it's important to realize this because uh, as, as a pastor, Timothy Keller, and author, Timothy Keller points out, we in the church have to do the same two kinds of gospel presentations today. Very different to talk about Jesus with somebody who's been to church, who has some stuff, but maybe they have some stuff that they need to unlearn to really know who Jesus is in their life. That's a completely different conversation than somebody who, and this is the increasing conversations we have to have in this world, they have zero church experience. They have no reference point for anything we're talking about or anything we're doing in this building. So to, to explain the gospel to them is a totally different conversation. They may not have the baggage we've got to get over. They don't have stuff to unlearn. They just have stuff they have to learn from scratch because they have no understanding. And part of the work of the church in the future is going to be we've got to have both of these kind of conversations. We've got to help people who are church learn about Jesus in a deeper way. And we've got to help, help people that are totally unchurched. One of Paul's key ways of doing that, we find in Acts, is that he always tells his own story. Like no matter what, Paul can talk about his own story, his own conversion and what Jesus has done in his own life. And people will listen to that. Okay, we live in a culture that loves to listen to stories. Okay. In fact, we, we are bombarded with stories on Facebook, social media, right? The stories are even boring, like what you're cooking for dinner. You take a picture, you post it on Facebook. I don't really care what you're cooking for dinner, right? But we are, we are so into individual stories. Ladies and gentlemen, if you, you don't have to be able to argue for Jesus. If you can simply say how, what Jesus means to you and what Jesus has done in your life, for a lot of people, that's their start to understanding the gospel. And Paul did that often. 
Paul seemed to have better luck outside the synagogue. In the synagogue, he's always getting beaten. He's always getting arrested. He's always getting chased out. But, but with those who know nothing, he seems to have an impact. I think that's because he understood the culture and the language. In Acts 17, the, these men of Athens at Mars Hill, this is one of those stories that uh, we point at and say this This is how good Paul was at spreading the gospel. He starts out, men of Athens, I I perceive in every way that you are very religious. So he compliments them on their religiosity. Athens was the the city of the gods. There were gods everywhere. There were idols everywhere. Paul could have gone in and critiqued them and said, nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's bad. That's not real. But instead, he comes in and he compliments them. He's paid attention to what they're worshiping. And then what does he do? He says, oh, okay, there's a God over here. You have this altar over here to an unknown God. So they must have had some sense that there were certain things that none of the gods were responsible for, but were getting done. And we don't know the name of that God, so we better make an altar to that unknown God. And Paul walks in and says, see that unknown God over there? Let me tell you about that unknown God. Because I know that, uh, that God. Okay? In other words, he has noticed... What they, are, what they are hungry for and what they are talking about. And he takes his message about Jesus and puts it in their language and in their desires. Even, did you see the quotes on the screen? He's even quoting their poets, their philosophers. Okay? It is an amazing gospel presentation because Paul is not quoting the Bible. He's quoting their, their pagan philosophers. And saying, you know what, your philosophers were on to something. Let me help you understand it better. The quote says that we are his offspring. Paul says, yeah, we are God's offspring. And this, this seeking that you have to find out who all these gods are, that's natural because God gave you that. But let me fill in some of the blanks that you're missing. God has done work in this one man, Jesus. Though Paul has not actually mentioned Jesus' name yet. Because then when he mentions somebody raised from the dead, there's kind of an uproar. Did you notice that in the text? And some people have trouble with that and other people start to believe and stay on with Paul and start to understand his message. Not everyone receives Paul's message. Everybody see that? Not everybody's ready for it. Not everybody welcomes it. And yet Paul keeps on preaching. Okay? He doesn't hold back when he's beaten, when he's abused. Because he knows they've got to hear it and I've got to give it and some people won't like it and I better be ready to get over the rejection of that. And I think Paul does that because he lived in the community. He studied the culture. He learned the language. I mean, I think that you pick up a couple other things real quick that you'll pick up just to note. Number one, that Paul is always taking up an offering wherever he goes. Okay, Paul in all his letters talks about this offering and the offering is to go back to the church of Jerusalem that's under persecution. And maybe we think there's a drought going on, so they don't have what they need. That Paul also has a sense, not only that he is sharing the gospel message, but there there are real physical needs that need to be taken care of and that it's part of the church's responsibility to do that. So that's not gospel presentation. That's just loving people in a community. In this case, he's pointing back to the church at Jerusalem because that was the need he felt called to pursue. 
But the part of Paul's mission is to learn language, to share the gospel, but also to get radically down to earth in how we give and how we serve other people. That there's place for all these ministries. And some of them really present the gospel and some of them just fill needs. And, and I think Paul would argue that both are important and both are kingdom gospel worthy. The other thing I want to point out is that Paul, if you follow through in his letters, had a great team around him. We know some of the names of these people, like Silas and Timothy and Luke. We hear about Titus, Aquila, Priscilla and Apollos. But we could keep naming other names. At the end of all his, all his letters, Paul names a bunch of these people that are with him that he's sending to hear or that he is hoping can stop by to see them. That Paul doesn't work alone. He works in teams and he works in communities. And that's the other really important reason why we have all these things out there. Because we can't, as a congregation, go to all these places. Okay? We can't go to minister to, to what's going on in the Navajo tribes. And we can't all go to South Sudan. And if we would, we, we couldn't do all these things. But because we're a church and because we're part of a denomination and because we have all these partnerships, we can create a team where our impact can go well beyond what we can do here. That there's what we need to do here, but there's also what we can do around the world. And we need both. And I think Paul models that in the way he always is pastoring and teaching and working and writing in teams, in groups. So here's what I would ask you today. Do you have a heart for telling others about Jesus? As we have World Communion Sunday, be reminded that there are many who need to know that message. Can we as a church present the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles, to both the religious and the irreligious? Or do we have a bunch of religious language that's going to get in the way of people finding out about Jesus? Are we students of the culture finding out where the needs are and where Jesus is at work? Are we doing everything we can to partner with those places where we are called to partner, to give and to serve and to volunteer so that our ministry goes beyond these? And we're hoping that Mission Fair really does help you find those sorts of places. And when God tells you to tell your story, to share what Jesus has done for you or to minister or to give or to serve or to volunteer or wherever God puts you. Are you willing to have the boldness of Paul to risk rejection, to risk abuse and to do what God calls you to do? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the ministry of Paul. May we follow in his footsteps. That we would go where you call us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.